hey y'all, you tired of church teaching that just ain't right and it's kind of contrary to all God's word and such? Well, you need to know how to refute it. This here channel will help you out. We got answers. Welcome to Contending for Christ Apologetics, where old Danny boy seeks to equip you with some tools that you can go out and fight that good fight and really develop that there Christian faith. Now get after it, y'all. Hey everybody, welcome back to C4C Apologetics. I thank you for tuning in and listening to this podcast episode. Last week we spoke a little bit about the Black Hebrew Israelites religion. So we're back today with Pastor Russell with 1L from Carmel Baptist in Mainsfield, Louisiana. It's a little joke that me and Pastor Russ have because Russell really is spelled with two L's, is it not? No, nah, everybody's spelling it wrong. It's 1L. Is that what it is? Are they sneezing and then just forgetting that one L? <laughs> so we got yeah. Russell with one L with us. Well, I like having you here, and I plan on having you back for a lot more episodes, unless the people that are listening vote otherwise, but we'll let them <laughs> be the judge of that. Well, in part one of the Black Hebrew Israelites episode, we talk about how you ended up coming in contact with them, some of the er extreme religious denominations, and some of their... Uh, Judaistic beliefs and their Torah following. But today, Russ, I just want to mainly focus on the practical application on really how to engage and witness for God's glory and their salvation. But before we jump into that, can you give us a quick overview from part one that talks about the importance of Deuteronomy 28:68, their views of the Edomites and their view of salvation? Yeah, absolutely. So the more extreme camps or they, as far as salvation is concerned, they believe that in law keeping is required for salvation. And not only do you have to keep the Mosaic law, um, but you you also have to be born of what they consider Israeli descent through the man. So if you're not a descendant um, of what they would consider a Hebrew Israelite, uh, you you are not able to enter into the kingdom, no matter no matter what you do um the as far as deuteronomy 2868 is concerned they they believe that is they use that as one of their most foundational scriptures in in proselytizing others so they believe that when it says and the lord shall bring thee into egypt again with ships by the way whereof i spake unto thee thou shalt see it no more again and there you shall be there you shall be sold unto your enemies for bondmen and bondwomen, and no man shall buy you. They believe that that's talking about the slave trade and how they were sold into slavery as bondmen and bondwomen. Um, again, the only issue with that is is they take you know part of that scripture to be literal and part of it to be figurative. They they look at Egypt as a symbolic for America. They'll point to the pyramid on the back of the dollar bill. Um, <laughs> And they'll say that Egypt just means house of bondage, but everything else in that in that passage or everything else in that scripture is literal. Hmm. So they don't do a very good job. At, they're not very consistent in their interpretive methods. And what about the Edomites issue? Yeah, Edomites. Um, so me and you, since we are the so-called white man, uh, me and you would be considered Edomites because oh, you can, ugh. yeah, because we blush and you can kind of see our blood through our skin. And uh, we get red when we stay out in the sun too long. <laughs> so. and, and, and that's all based upon, you know, Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated, correct? Yeah, and they believe like the description of the word, what the word Esau means in Hebrew and, and those things and how he was red and hairy. And they'll 
they'll they'll point at a black person and, sit and talk about how how their skin is really fine and they don't have a whole lot of hair, but then they'll point to a white man and say, "See, look how hairy he is. He's Esau. You know, that's just proof that he's Esau." And they'll point to like a picture of some sunburnt white guy yeah. who stood out, you know, stayed out on the beach too long, and they'll be like, "See, he's Esau. Look how red he is. Red, just like Esau. <laughs> you know." Anyway. Well, I hope I'm not an Edomite because God doesn't really have anything good to say about him after Esau's time. Uh, <laughs> no, if you doesn't. don't believe me, go look in the book of Obadiah. It's a quick read. I believe it's one chapter, but it's the pride of the Edomites uh, that really is their downfall. So, But really, I mean, we got to look at this because a lot of it is the fact that these people in this religious group, the black Hebrew Israelites, really focus on the fact that they are Israelites. What does it even matter, really? Because it's quite possible that there could be African Israelites. And if they truly are Israelites by heritage, does that even matter anything? No, it doesn't. Um, the fact that they, you know, I'll, I'll grant it, there, there are more than, more than likely um, Hebrew Israelites that have, you know, descendants of African Americans, they intermingled. The Bible says that God had scattered the, the northern kingdom into all nations of the earth. And so right. you're going to you're going to have that. You're going to have people that were scattered to China and to Russia and all these areas of the world that these Israelites were scattered and they intermingled with those people and they have descendants to this day that are descendants from the Israelites. Um it's impossible as far as I know, I'm not a geneticist or anything, but it's impossible to say who's who. Uh, but in the end, it doesn't matter because the only thing that matters is your identity in Christ. Amen. Amen. So, I mean, at least there there could be some validity to what they're believing or espousing with their Israelite heritage. Uh, but besides the point, what we want to look at today, like I said, is just practical information that we could take as Christians with this religious group. So I have a question for you. If, if someone runs into a black Hebrew Israelites, and remember that we're mainly focused on the extreme denominations, but if you feel like this will fit with all of them, by all means, please... Uh, Please address, but if we run into a black Hebrew Israelite, what are some ways we can at least refute some of their claims, and specifically the claims they have of Jesus only coming for Israel and their belief in salvation by works through the Mosaic Law? Okay, so with their belief that Jesus Christ came exclusively for Israel, um, first off, any Christian who is going to engage with a black Hebrew Israelite or Hebrew Israelite, whatever they want to call themselves, it you you really need to you need to know the Bible. You need to study mm. it. You need to be familiar with their arguments and what they believe. Uh, a quick Google search uh, will give you all kinds of results. But <laughs> Praise God for Google. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. He'll use that for His glory too. Amen. Yes. But we need we need to be equipped. You need to understand, know the Bible, and mm. a lot of Christians will engage. A, a black Hebrew Israelite, and they won't really know their the the Christian won't really be familiar with the Bible as well as they ought to be. And I want to and, stop you right there, real quick. What do you think that does to a Christian who engages with someone of another religious group, and they don't really know their own scripture? What does that do to that Christian? I think that most Christians, when they encounter that, and if that's their scenario and in the, their predicament where they don't really know the Bible as well as they ought to. Uh, I believe that most Christians will just build up a wall and they'll just completely ignore or try to block out what the other person is saying and they'll just stick to what they know. 
Um, you know, I know I'm a Christian. I know I go to church on Sunday. I know this. I know that. And they'll just, you know, blindly stick to what they know um, without really knowing exactly why they believe what they believe. They mm -hmm. just it's what they've been taught and what they've always believed, you know, as a Christian. And I know one thing with this channel right here is the fact of part of the ministry is so that Christians can solidify and firm up their faith as well. Because I've run into some people that when they're confronted with questions that they don't know, it tends to make their faith teeter a little bit. And so I'm hoping that through this episode, this part one and part two, it'll give you the tools not to have your faith teetered when you don't know a little bit about the black Hebrew Israelites. And, and at least the information you're going to get today, you can stand firmer. Like, like uh, Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, they got to be ready to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. And so one thing that I don't want Christians to do is to just waver in their faith because of their apathy towards reading and studying their faith. So I'm sorry to cut you off. I just thought that was a, a question that needed to be entertained and everything. But going back Absolutely. to their view of Jesus coming only for Israel, you said the first thing you'd want to do is make sure that you know about the religious group and their beliefs before you engage. And that's great advice for really any religion, whether it's LDS, Jehovah Witness, even Islam. You want to know a little bit about it. That way you know how to engage it. But what else? Well, as a as a person who is a Christian, most Christians are Gentile, meaning that you, you're not an Israelite, but you you believe in the God of Israel and the Messiah, who is, you know, he was a, a Jewish Messiah. He was Jewish. Right. And so you, you mean he the, wasn't white, blonde haired, no, blue eyes? No, he absolutely was not white. <laughs> he didn't have blonde hair. He didn't have blue eyes. I'm sorry for those out there who might think that. Um, but that picture, you know, on the wall or that painting you might have, that, that's not accurate. Um, and I'm not trying to step on any toes. It's just this is a matter of fact. But, um, you know, you need to be you need to be secure and grounded in your identity as a Gentile in Christ before you, you before you engage into somebody who is Israel only um, a good place to start. And I recommend uh, these two chapters for anybody or actually it's three chapters but these may the first two or I want to emphasize um, Philippians chapter number three the second chapter I, I encourage everybody to, to read and study is Galatians chapter three and finally John chapter three so three threes all right three you three got, three that's right Philippians chapter three Galatians chapter three and John chapter three read it know it Get grounded, get settled, settle it in your heart. Know who you are in Christ. Uh, Philippians chapter 3. Except the man be born of water and spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Yeah, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Amen. Yeah. So, but, uh, uh, go on. Philippians chapter 3 especially, um, verses 1 through 11. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's a big deal. Um just if you just take a glance at it, some of the things that Paul is writing to a Gentile church, a Gentile congregation, yep. he says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, and beware of the concision. And then in verse number three, he really, this is a good one. Uh, he says, for we are the circumcision. He's speaking to Gentiles now. And he says, for we are the circumcision, which worship God in the Spirit and rejoice in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus and have no confidence 
in the flesh. Mm-hmm. It's huge. That's big right there because a lot of the Jews, even the Pharisees, they, they had all their confidence in their flesh and their heritage of being Abraham's children. And that's kind of what we're dealing with with these black Hebrew Israelites. You know, it's, it's interesting kind of... about Philippians chapter 3. That's actually the chapter that I got saved to. Praise God, man. Yep. That guy, I'm actually looking at the audio CD right now. Brother Matt ended up recording it during that revival service. So how many people actually have the sermon that they actually got saved to? Not many. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. So, but yeah, so, okay, you talked about Philippians 3, John 3, and you said Galatians 3? Absolutely. Galatians 3 is another big one. Um, it, it Not only does it go into how we're not saved by the works of the law, um, but that it's through faith, it's through Christ, but it also gives us our, our, our identity in Christ and how that if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed, in an heir according to the promise. Amen. It's it's yeah, it's it's big. You need to understand your identity in Christ. And uh especially the last couple of verses there it says there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you be Christ's, then are you Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So it, it is clear the New Testament teaches that who you are according to the flesh means absolutely nothing. It's whether or not you're in Christ. Amen. And even even the day of Pentecost would prove that because you have people from all sorts of nations that were there in the testimony of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues gave evidence to their faith, at least during that period in history, that they were accepted by God and received eternal life. So what, what about some of their claims to... And this isn't exclusive to the black, 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 I can't talk right now, but to the black Hebrew Israelites, this is pretty much a lot of Christendom today, too. But how can you refute some of the claims where they teach that salvation is only by works through the Mosaic law? Oh, man. Uh, that's another one um, in Philippians chapter 3 and Galatians chapter 3 and John chapter 3. These three chapters... Um, touch on on all of these things that we're discussing here today. So, in Galatians chapter 3, he says, in verse number 3, verse number 2 and 3, he says, This only would I learn of you, received ye the Spirit by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? He goes on to say, uh, in Galatians chapter 3, verse 6, using Abraham as an example, he said, Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know you therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. And if you look at verse number, starting in verse number 10, it says, For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is every one that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no man is justified in the, by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith, and the law is not of faith. But the man that doeth them shall live in them. And uh, so it is clear, what he's saying is that a man cannot, will not, be justified by the law in the sight of God. And he says it's evident, it's obvious. 
You know, this is this is obvious. Mm. Um, and that if you're going to go and you're going to try to keep the law, verse number 10, that, you know, you're going to be cursed if you don't continue in every single thing that's written in the book of the law. If It means if you fail at one point, you're cursed. Yeah, and it begs an interesting question. I had thought about this when you were talking, uh, but if if you receive the Holy Spirit at the moment of uh, conversion and giving your life over to Christ, but yet many people, and not just black Hebrew Israelites, espouse the teaching that it's only by keeping the law or doing works, then that begs the question on when does that individual ever get indwelt by the Holy Spirit? But one of my favorite passages that really talks about uh, works not being required for salvation. No, it's not Ephesians chapter 2, but it's actually found in Romans chapter 4, in verses 1 through 5, where it says, What shall we say then, that Abraham our father, as pertaining to flesh, has found? For if Abraham were justified by works, he hath whereof to glory, but not before God. For what saith the scripture? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him for righteousness. Now to him that worketh is a reward, not reckoned of grace, but of debt. But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness. So anybody, and again, I mean, these are Calvinists too that espouse this type of teaching, that if you're working, then what you're receiving is not grace. What you're actually receiving is your wages, what you're owed. And uh, a lot of times these Calvinists, and I don't want to get on a Calvinist tangent, but they emphasize work so much that they neglect the rewards that God's promised and the Bema Seat judgment that God has promised as well. But so, yes, there's many passages in Scripture that it's only by faith can we even be saved. John 3.16 is one of the most famous, most quoted verses in all of Scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever what works, no, believes in him, shall never perish, but have everlasting life. And so salvation is never born in what we can do because we can do nothing. All of our good works are but filthy rags, as Isaiah had taught. So Amen. definitely. But more importantly, I, I don't want to just spend this entire time uh, talking about refuting it because, again, I don't want apologetics to get into an academic or uh, intellectual debate, but we got to turn it to a spiritual side. So more importantly, how can we witness to them to possibly be used of God to remove the veil from their eyes? Yeah, that's going to be, if when a person's lost, the main thing that we need to be presenting to them is the light of the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is what's going to reach a person. No, no amount of intellectual argument, no amount of debating, I think, is going to convert a person to see the truth. The only way a person will ever come to the understanding that it's that it's by grace we're saved through faith and that not of works, it's the gift of God, uh, the only way they're going to come to that realization and understanding is if they're born again. Uh, a person can't come to that understanding without being born again. And so mm -hmm. they need to have the gospel. They need to the the emphasis needs to be on what Jesus Christ did for them as a sinner. And you, you talk about the finished work of Christ on the cross and his resurrection. And you and you and you keep pushing that. And you and they'll they'll try to go and chase a rabbit down this way and try to get off on this topic or that topic. If you just keep it keep bringing the conversation back to the gospel, if you keep bringing it back to the gospel, that that I think is essential 
And if you are, if you are disciplined enough and have enough self-control to not engage them in these other arguments that they try to present, and you keep bringing it back to the gospel, you'll see more fruit in your conversation. Amen. I think that's some excellent advice. You know, we got to realize and remember that it's not our academic pursuit that gets anybody saved, but it's the power of the gospel that leads one to salvation. Amen. So, well, I thank you for being with us, Pastor Russell with one L. Uh, maybe we get back <laughs> on your birth certificate, try to correct that for you. <laughs> and for those that we are listening, I hope you gained some information about uh, the black Hebrew Israelites. At least you understand a little more about how to defend your actual Christian faith. And then tips on how to actually witness to them. And Russ, what you said as far as witnessing to them and just preaching the truth, unadulterated gospel doesn't only go for the black Hebrew Israelites. I love how you brought it up. It goes for anybody you come in contact because we have to remember, as David Jeremiah once said, they're not the enemies. They're just people being led astray by the great enemy. Because we got to remember, as much as we don't like it, Jesus died for you, me, Adolf Hitler, Pol Pot, Joseph Stalin. The only difference is some people chose to be saved and some people didn't. Russ, thank you for being here. I plan on having you back for sure. But like I said, if the listeners don't like it, well, they got to speak. So, but no, I'm, I'm sure they like it and everything. So we're going to have you back on talking about Mormonism and everything. So any final thoughts that you have? Yeah, I just, uh, again, I want to encourage everybody, uh, to go out there, be a witness, share the gospel. It's something that I think that we as Christians neglect to do in our personal everyday life. I think we need to share the gospel more often, more frequently with a, with a genuine love and concern for the people that are lost and on their way to hell. So that's, that's my last word. Amen. In future episode, we're going to talk specifically how to do that. How can you give uh, the gospel to a total stranger? What are some different ways and methods to start a spiritual conversation? And just a little uh, little teaser trailer, it can all start with just a regular wristwatch. If you want to know more about that, you got to stay tuned and listen to the episode when it goes up there. So I thank you all for watching. Until next time, God bless. Mm-hmm.